G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast, of course. Round four wasn't quite as good as round three, but uh, still lots to talk about. Plus the AFL girls just took out another premiership, so plenty to like about that one. So without any further ado, let's get straight into it, shall we? everyone and welcome again another Sunday night another weekend wrap another Crows match to talk about uh, sadly not as uh, as happy as last week uh, but nonetheless uh, plenty to talk about and here to talk about it with me Mickey, how are you I'm very well pleased to hear it and Maka how are you going mate yeah no traveling okay mate I mean got my problems but we're uh, we're doing well very good. Uh, good to hear. Um, thank you to everyone who's joined us in Discord. Again, another smashing studio audience there, at least 20 people, which is fantastic. Um, people joining us on YouTube as well. I haven't bloody started YouTube again. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Far too many buttons to push. Here we go. Sorry to those people in YouTube. I've just, um, <laughs> I've just started. I've just started that now. My apologies. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be a crowcast without some sort of glitch, would it? Consistency is what we're after here, Fiend. Yeah. Oh God, a bit of consistency out of a few of our blokes wouldn't be bad either. So I guess I'm just reflecting the current state of the team. <laughs> About right. Yes. Um, a bit of a disappointing one, really. Um, Essendon in Melbourne on that hard deck are always a little bit difficult. Uh, but we had a pretty strong team and uh, the Bombers had a few out. And, um, yeah, just uh, couldn't get over the line in the, at, at the end there. Well, that's, you know, I think the main difference really was the fact that Marvel is a what they call a fast deck. There's always speed to tell that on Marvel. And we, they just had a little edge on speed over us. Um, and we'll come back. We'll be obviously be talking about it. But if we look at their mids and the speed of their mids versus the speed of our mids, I think you can see the difference. Oh, yes. And we'll talk about that at length, Mac. I think that'll be a bit of a, a theme for tonight, um, unfortunately. Um, all right. But before anything else... Why don't we just get into the um, Macca's famous results? Why don't we? Macca, Macca, Macca. All right. Uh, let's just have a look and see what we've got going on here on the left screen. Bring that up. There we go. All right. Okay. Um Thursday night, wasn't it? Thursday night? 
was Thursday night. Seems so long ago, and uh, Port got absolutely belted, Maka. Absolutely smashed. Um, oh, oh. Hang on, 10.868 to 4.12.36, a margin of 32 points, which flattered them in the end. Um, gee whiz. Yeah, well, you know, we started the weekend, oh, not the weekend, really, the round on a high with Port getting done. Um, but really, as you said, it was more like David versus Goliath. But Port, they did compete hard for the first, say, one and a half quarters, uh, but they just got no scoring potential at all. They just keep breaking down when they went forward. Um, Melbourne decided to put the foot on the pedal, went in the second quarter, and they kicked 6-6 six, six to North 5, and the game was over at half time. Um, if you look at the scoreboard, it would tell you that Port probably won it by a couple of points in the second half, but there's no doubt that Melbourne were almost in cruise control at that stage. Um, one thing, it's one sad thing was the thing with Wines and his heart. You don't wish that on anybody in... You know, Wines is, is a champion as a player, and I think he's a champion as a fella, so sorry to see that. Um, yeah, the good news is he seems to be okay, but uh, obviously they're going to have to uh, run some tests and see uh, exactly what the cause of that was. Um, but you're right, mate, you don't want to see that ever. No. And uh, just, you know, Port had no full forward, which is uh, one of their imports, Dixon. They had no it's an half back, which is, again, one of their imports earlier in there. Hang on, they had, they had George Artis, Marshall? Uh, Marshall, mate. I wouldn't want him at our club. No, that's um, not the point, though. They had they had forwards there. Marshall kept fighting against us, so no excuse. Yep. They got uh, absolutely but, belted, Mac. Well, like, yeah, Gorn and Jackson are absolutely dominant in the ruck, and yep. there it was just you know, one rate possession, really. Yep, uh, Lysett's been a bit of a disappointment for them in the last um, season and a bit. Uh, it really seems to have, <coughs> pardon me, fallen off a cliff. So anyway, that was a good win and uh, Port languishing at the moment. Uh, whoops, wrong way. Uh, okay, then, oh my goodness, uh, Geelong, 11-14-80, beating the Lions 11-4-70 by 10 points. And the annual... Uh, Brisbane travelling to GMHBA Stadium seems to be an invitation for the umpires just to... It must be early Easter for the Cats or something, I'm not sure. Um, but, by God, do they get a ride down there. Do they ever? I'm glad you got the letters right. I would have probably said that it will be cute <laughs> or something like that. But, but you know, the, uh, the pensioners of our alphabets are over there, but just that little bit better on the night. And they did get a little bit of help from the umpires. Uh, but they really had Hawkins up forward, which was, he got five goals. Uh, two were pushing the backs and should have been paid against him. That but last they, one. That last one. Goodness me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I thought the outstanding player on the ground was Isaac Smith, again, an, an import from another club. 29 disposals. I thought he was outstanding. Um for Brisbane, McStay was pretty good up forward. Lockie Neal was tagged all night, but still managed to get 30 disposals. Uh, I thought Brisbane weren't disgraced, um, and they'll have no doubt that, you know, playing on a normal-sized oval uh, with normal umpires or fair go from the umpires, that Brisbane would beat Geelong every time. I still don't think Geelong can win a flag, and I'm not sure Brisbane can either. Oh, no, I wouldn't yeah. write Brisbane out by any stretch, would you, Nick? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, as long as they don't have that backup ruck they had playing. That um, I know he's young, 
but he was pretty woeful a couple of times when Brisbane were actually having nice play and he needed to, to just to make a contest or actually even go for the ball. He just kind of stood there and went, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but that made Blackwood's out though, Nicky. Yeah, he was, and that's what I'm saying. It's the, they've got a problem there with their depth and their ruck. Um, if they've got their main ruck playing, then I think Brisbane are a bit more of a chance, but there's there's an issue there in that depth which got very much exposed down at the Gattery. Yeah. Anyway, uh, about up to them. Uh, and then uh, North gave Sydney a big fright before the Swans eventually got up by 11 points, 13-8-86 to 12-3-75. Didn't see this one, but uh, North were in it for most of the game, Mac. Yeah, I watched this one. Uh, it was a very brave effort, I thought, by North Melbourne. Um... They uh, moved Zebel from defence, uh, where he's been doing very well, and they put him up and pulled forward. Yeah. And he did the right the thing. He kicked five goals and set up another couple. I must mention um, Jason Horn Branch. Is that right? Is that the order? Yep. Jason, I always try to with the surname, getting it right in the order. Uh, up to three quarter time, I just thought he was a miracle man. I mean, he just did some amazing things for a guy that's playing his first year of footy. He, just, he is going to be very, very good, and it just makes him. Wish he'd just had him. He's really good. Um, <laughs> but on he, along yeah, with yep. Simpkin, they they did very, very well. They kept uh, North Melbourne in it right up to the very end. And, in fact, there was only a goal. That, and Sydney, they fought back, and they'd actually got the last four goals of the game. And uh, with uh, a, big, a bit like our game, really, in the sense that it was down to less than a goal in the last minute of the game. But uh, then it went down forward with five seconds to go. Heaney got another goal, which made about nine points, whatever it was. And made it look a little bit further. But, you know, hats off to North Melbourne. They did get beat, but they certainly weren't disgraced. That's probably a fair summary. Um, makes you wonder why a certain team didn't try a bit harder to get a certain bloke to the certain club. Nah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Yes, that could have been. Could have been done. Well, you argue we got Josh Rochelle and uh, he's going to be a champ as well. So... You know, maybe uh, we didn't miss out too much, but anyway. Uh, all right, the next game was the beginning of the end for my tips on the weekend. Uh, Eagles, I don't know how this happened. 14-387. Peter Collingwood, 10-14-74. A margin of 13 points. Eagles get their first win, and by God, you'd be dark if you're a Collingwood supporter. Well, you would be too, because, I mean... Um... They had 61 inside 50s to 42, uh, but they just don't have a proper forward structure. No. And uh, and on top of that, um, young, uh, young Elliot got injured, I think it was just the beginning of the last quarter. But um, it's very much like, uh, the, like, I repeat their last game, where they don't go on in the last quarter. I thought they're kind of very wasteful with the ball. Um, they do have an absolute utter out-and-out champion in... Um, in uh, What's his name? The lad, name. Dacos. Yeah, yeah. Nick. I was just yeah. trying to make sure I got the right one. Nick. Nick was outstanding. He's just a natural. He's just always in the right spot. I just can't believe how he does it. You know, and the kid, he looks like he's been playing at the AFL footy for 100 years. But anyhow, coming back to the point, uh, <laughs> really, Collingwood just aren't really good enough. They don't have a lot of depth. And um, what. The uh, Eagles did have that McGovern and Barassett in the back lines who had dominated in defence. And up forward, uh, Kennedy, Darling, Rioli, Ryan. They had 
they were match winners. And uh, the rest of the boys just struggled along to help get them there. So yeah. uh, full credit to West Coast, but poor effort by Collingwood. Correct. Uh, another surprising one, I certainly didn't tip this, and uh, bad kicking's bad footy. Uh, Richmond, 59-99, uh, defeated the Bulldogs by 38 points, 7-19-61. Um, similar, well, same scoring shots, but uh, the Bulldogs just off the boil at the moment. Um, I sometimes wonder... Well, I, but Bevo's one of those blokes that sometimes outsmarts himself, and I just wonder whether he's doing a bit of that at the moment. Yeah, when you have a shot and you just keep kicking point after point, it becomes very contagious, and they've been mm. doing that for the last few weeks. Yeah, and when you've got a midfield where you've got Bont's had 33, and uh, uh, Dunkley's had 38, and McRae's had 34, Smith's had 36, you'd think. With uh, Mids winning the ball like that, you'd be dominating the game. But yeah. there weren't too many other dominant players for them. And uh, they are, they're in their back line, they're definitely too short. And in their forward line, apart from Norton, there's nobody that looks dangerous. So, um, yeah, they've got a massive midfield and they've got some weaknesses in other areas. Admittedly, they had a couple of injuries out in the back lines, but, uh, you, you know, you judge on what you play with. And... Uh, yep. On the other hand, Richmond, uh, it looked like Richmond of old, the way they moved the ball. It was moving very, very quickly. Um, Bolton, in particular, was a really uh, a key figure up forward. And uh, Lynch, he, I think he got four goals. So, uh, all, all in all, well done by Richmond. They, they played very well at the Cartman final. I'd, there's no doubt about that. But um, you got now you start, you've got to start wondering about the Bulldogs. But, you know, are they going to be as good as last year? And are they going to figure in finals? Oh, well, they'll probably figure in finals, maybe, but... Um... Well, their team hasn't changed. Um, you know, the team hasn't changed. A uh, few injuries, uh, maybe a bit of a hangover, um, you know, and it's it's well known that, not that it's affected Melbourne this year, but, uh, you know, playing deep into September does impact your, your pre-season, etc., etc. So I think they'll be right. They'll be yeah, right. Yeah, but that's... But they're not playing really well at the moment, though. Oh, certainly not. No, 100%. Another, uh, that's not the right score. What have I what? done here? I've missed a couple. An idiot. Uh, all right, let's revert back to the other thing then. <laughs> Don't mind me. Do, 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 do. Just, just one moment, please. <laughs> Just let me get my shit together. Uh, I was going to say, Mac, though, how did you like uh, the barrel? Oh, that was a ripper. Absolute ripper, that barrel. I did I did love the umpire going, good luck. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Fremantle getting up. Uh, no, have I got that one? Yeah, Fremantle. Yeah, Fremantle getting up over. There we go. Sorry, I'm a little bit disjointed. Fremantle 13-10-88, disappointing Giants 8-6-54, a margin there of 34 points to Fremantle. Um, I reckon Leon Cameron should be under just as much pressure as um, Ken Hinckley at the moment. Yeah, with the quality of the midfield he's got, they should be doing a lot better than that. But again, they're not uh, overly strong in either end of the ground. They've got a magnificent midfield. They've got probably too many midfielders and not enough of other other players. Um, mm. 
And Freo, um, they, they're a team that are building, and, uh, yeah, I, I can see... I don't know whether they'll play finals or not, but they tell you what, they will definitely be knocking around the bottom of the eight at least. Um, they're playing good footy. Well, that's where they usually are. Uh, I wouldn't yep. get too excited about Fremantle. They've had a few home games and, uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, the tax, you know GWS, they keep uh, signing up players for millions at a time and mm. uh, for many, many years, but mm. you'd expect to get better results than that. Well, you do. But um, anyway, um, I, I reckon Cameron's dead man walking. Well, he should be. He should be. I mean, he, he should just hold hands with Kenny and walk off into the distance. <laughs> All right. And then today, apart from our game, we had the St Kilda Saints uh, belting Hawthorne, 22-10, to 10-13-73. It looked like a close one early, and then St Kilda just ran right away with it. Um, and uh, they'd be very happy with that win. Yeah, they would be. Uh, good rucks, uh, definitely a good rucks. Uh, that's where it all started. Uh, good midfield, steel, Crouch, they were very, very good. I would have loved to swap Crouches today. Uh, Brad was on oh, very, very much. Say that, jeez. No, Brad was on very, very, very much on form today. I mean, mm. he only got the ball, but he used it well as well. Mm. Um, but overall, um. I think Ryder might be in a little bit of trouble because he did a nice, great big bump to the head and that will probably might get him a week or two. But uh, a lad that played in this particular game called Lena. Um, he's Jared, ex-port. Jared Lena, yeah, ex-Sturt yeah. boy. Always played well when he got a game for Port but just couldn't hold his place and he yeah. played very well again today for the Saints. And uh, I don't know why I Port just, got rid of him. I, I actually don't know why Port got rid of him. I just don't know why we didn't pick him up instead of Ben Davis in the rookie list. I mean, gee whiz. Well, he would be very handy. How, how many halfbacks do you want, mate? Well, one's going to actually get the ball, mate. No, well, we've got a few of those. No, but he's got he's got height. He's really has got height. He's about yeah, six no, two. But, like yeah, that. we don't need halfbacks, mate. We we need midfielders. But I we agree do. with you. We, I agree with you. He was certainly worthy of being on a list, and I'm glad. I was glad at the time that he got picked up by St Kilda, and I, I was actually very surprised that Port got rid of him. Um, you know, they've kind of gutted their defence in many ways. They got rid of um, what was the other bloke that went to St Kilda? What was his name again? I can't think of his name. Tall lad. Anyway, yeah. there's been a couple that they've gotten rid of, and like don't Dougal. want a defence. Dougal, that's it. Dougal have whatever. Uh, anyway, in the last game, uh, Carlton just coming off the boil. Uh, another unexpected result. Gold Coast 13 14 92. Carlton 8 14 62. Uh, just having their mandatory loss so that they can bounce back against the the uh, the power next week. Yeah, oh, I thought this game about as interesting as eating a, you know, six lemons for tea or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it really didn't have much. It didn't have much appeal to me at all, really. Um, right. Was off at quarter time. We did a hammy. Um, uh, after that, there wasn't much uh, effort. I didn't think from Carlton and uh, Gold Coast took over after that. Well, she she actually dominated the ruck and uh, Miller and uh, Anderson. Can't remember all the other names, but. A lot of no names for me, but they won the clearances forty-five to twenty-seven, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I thought a pretty shameful effort by Carlton, by you know, by a mob that's uh, 
saying, you know, we're, we're going places this year. That was very, definitely a step backwards. Yeah, but, you know, they're up and coming. They're always going to come off the boil, I think. Uh, and Gold Coast are un- unpredictable. They'll turn up. Uh, how did um, Luco play and Rankin? Well, Rankin, not much. Not much at all. Uh, he did get a goal. Um, Luco... Luco, to me, is playing like a bloke that's with, with the second-round draft, uh, draft pick at best and mm. uh, not really sure what he would quite add to our side at the moment. He might he just probably I, add I'm a... Not, I, no, I don't want him in my side. I'm, I just asked how he played. Yeah, look... Um, we've we've no, had this debate a thousand times. We don't need to go over it again. I just asked how he played. Yeah, look, he played reasonable but not outstanding. Yeah. All right, let's have a look at the ladder. And uh, after four rounds, four completed rounds, uh, Melbourne on top, 16 points. Uh, the Lions, Fremantle, St Kilda and Geelong, along with Sydney and Carlton, all on three wins, 12 points. Uh, Collingwood in the eight with two wins. Uh, outside the eight with two wins, Gold Coast, Richmond and Hawthorne. And then on one win, we've got Adelaide, GWS, Western Bulldogs, West Coast, Essendon, and North in that order. And sadly, Port Adelaide yet to open their account. Which could continue maybe next week with a bit of luck. Well, you know, I shed a tear. <laughs> I shed a tear, mate. I know. Nicky was crying in the background. <laughs> <laughs> were, you Nick, were you really crying? I don't think you were. Um, now, before we get into the Adelaide game, and I haven't put the scores up here but because uh, I didn't have the prep time, but, um, Nikki, I wanted to talk about the fantastic um, game on Saturday um, that was won by the AFLW Crows, um, third premiership in six years or whatever it is. Um, just an amazing effort and showed some real resilience um under a bit of fire, in the, in, particularly in the third quarter, uh, when Melbourne certainly came back hard at them. Um, I thought, I feared that they were uh, going to pay for a couple of missed opportunities in the first quarter, um, but they held on strong, and uh, I actually thought Daniel Ponta was a bit stiff not to get the uh, not to get the, the women's Norm Smith, to be honest with you. How did you see it? Oh, it, it, was, it was close, but Hatchie very much in that first half was so dominant and she was thought still she burnt it a half. bit in, I still thought she burnt it a bit in the second half and her uh, played very well yeah be. well we all like they all like to burn it when it goes forward <laughs> sometimes which makes me go, um I, I did also like um Daniel Harford he also nominated Sarah Allen I mean she, she, she was absolutely oh absolutely unsung I I love the way she plays you, I mostly because I also used to like the way Caven plays, and you can just see that when she was developing as a defender, that he coached her. Um, it was interesting because chatting before the game with my dad, and he just said, "Well, last year we were the high, we were the the team that just scored the most, and this year we're the team <laughs> that defended the most." He's like, so what are we going to be next year? And I'm like, both, both would be good, but that that's very much was the the way that we played it. Um, it was hard at the contest. Um, I do remember seeing something 
from early on where they were having a little chat and um, CJ, who's now taken over the midfield, talked about how she wanted our midfield to be the most uncomfortable midfield to play against. And I think that game just exemplified that totally. I mean, we just pressured and pressured them because for Melbourne, it's they want to get the ball out quick and they want to do their kick mark. And we just didn't allow them to do that. And we wear Mm. teams down. So the game opened up a little bit in the second half. That's when everybody got a little bit tired. Um, and, And so I think that's where they got a little bit more of their chances. But if you... You look at it, they're two goals. One was a, a goal that they got was a turnover. from stupidity on our part, which yep. should never have happened. That was a and, then, and then the other one was <laughs> the ball should have never got down there if um, certain people did their job properly. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great effort. Um, I, I just felt that their pressure and their tackling was relentless. Oh, um, our defence stood up really, completely. really well. I, I felt like um, Clark adjusted the team accordingly um, after um, Melbourne made their push. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, you always want to be in front at three-quarter time in a grand final. Um, and we were able to steady. And when Danielle turned her opponent inside out and ran in for that goal, uh, you knew it was done. And that's all we needed just to... to you know, break the shackles. Uh, just a fantastic win. Um, there's lots of, as I said, we don't cover the AFLW much because there's lots of good podcasts around that do a fantastic job and I don't yeah. want to do it an injustice. But I just thought we needed to mention it tonight because they've done the club proud, they've done themselves proud and um, you can't ask for more than three flags in six years, can you? No, excellent. Absolutely excellent. And When there's been... I was just going to say, there's only been five grand finals and we've played in four of them. Yeah, yep. and won three. So that, that is outstanding. Just on the best player, I thought that uh, Ponta was the best forward. Sarah Allen, uh, she was the uh, best backman and I thought Hatchard was the best mid and generally the mids always get it. So yeah, I, I thought I was quite happy with it. Yeah. Sarah Allen's he- ability in the air is, um, is elite. She's, but, out, she's outstanding, actually. Yeah. yeah, and she's completely underrated because it was quite interesting. They they named the All-Australian team. They didn't name her at fullback. She is the, the best fullback in the league. She is an out-and-out champion. You ask any of the players, you ask any of the coaches, and they will name her every single time. that She's one player, if they could steal from Adelaide, Um a lot of people actually nominate Alan as the player they would like to take from Adelaide. Yeah. And she's very calming on the defence, isn't she? Yeah. Yes. Oh, she's she's brilliant. And Vardy Magic's um, mentioned Biddell. The, the two of them working together, mm. and it was interesting because a lot, a lot of the talk beforehand was, oh, you know, how Taylor's going to do so well. And I'm just like, but we've got her kryptonite. She cannot beat Randall. But we also yeah. play. We can also play Bedell on her, and she can't move Bedell. Yeah. She can push other players around. She can't move Bedell. Yeah, Chelsea played if, really if well any, too. Oh yeah. Oh, that mark. Oh, classic. Absolute classic, Chelsea. Um, just one thing I will say: if anybody hasn't watched it, listen to Clarkie's speech at the end. It's brilliant. 
Yep, he certainly uh, fitted into that structure really well. They get around him, uh, the girls, and um, I'll tell you what, Bet Goddard is a much better coach than commentator because her commentary, whilst insightful, puts you to sleep. It was a grand bloody final, Beck, and you may as well have been talking about what you were having for breakfast. There was no excitement in her voice at all. Um but uh, she obviously started the dynasty, so we can't be too can't be too uh, critical. But uh, geez, Beck, come on, fire up a bit. <laughs> no, you're right, Ben. She was just an absolute waste of space, actually. Oh, she was a waste of space because she talks. No, she 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 gives good insights into the girls and all the rest of it, and and yeah. uh, she's she's smart. But she just needs to add a little bit of something to her voice just to fire us up a little bit. It was a grand final, for God's sake. I know. We didn't need, we didn't need calm little comments as if I know this and I know that. You know, get into the game. Get into the game. <laughs> anyway, look, it was fantastic. Uh, we won't um, spend too much time on it because, as I said, there are other podcasts around that will do it far more service than I will. Um, but um, that team and that squad have done the Crows proud for another year. I'll just ask... Quickly, what do you... The obviously, speculation around Erin. Um, first of all, as good as she is, uh, she looked just about done to me. Yeah, that's that's the feeling I get, that this was her... She was... And the way she reacted on the final siren, and I was watching it when it happened, and I just thought, I think the conversation's coming... And it will be my body is past it. She can't kick far enough anymore. She's still a brilliant player in that mind and everything else. And and she still takes um, a really good opposition player on her. But it's, I mean, the chance to actually leave the game at the top like that does not come around very often. And she's very experienced in sport. <laughs> The thing that I to noted, kind of yeah, the thing that I noted about her, uh, apart from you know slowing down a little bit and all the rest of it, was she is really protective of that knee. Like she yeah. falls straight legged, she doesn't put any weight on it. It's clearly cooked. Um, I, I would love to see her be a one club player. Um, I understand the draw of Port Adelaide and playing with with uh, the old man's club. Um, although he has embraced uh, the Crows AFLW team. He he absolutely has because of the support that is given, Taryn. Now, I saw somewhere a comment from earlier up, somebody, they, they said they were a bit worried that Hatchie was leaving because of what she said in her speech. But to me, her speech was how much she loved the club and realised the faith and the support that was put around her. If you actually, I think it was Libby Birch a couple of weeks ago, they were asking about, you know, Port Adelaide coming in, are players going to leave? And her response to that is, why would you leave that club? They love it. They are so tight. Well, they play for each other, don't they? And, you know, Erin said it afterwards and a couple of others said it as well. They play for each other. They love coming to training. They love playing together. So um, I I reckon... uh, on Erin, I reckon she'll uh, retire from playing, um, but I reckon she will have an involvement in Port's uh, inaugural season, uh, either as a coach or something like that. 
I don't think she'll play anymore. Uh, she kind of left that open when she said, you know, it's not just a matter of Crows or Port. There are other considerations. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... her her her, um, her spouse uh, has spent, you know, two and a half years over here uh, being an American. Uh, so there's that consideration. I think uh, Port would be stupid not to uh, make a, a, a good offer to Erin to help them get off the ground next season. And I think the Crows would send her off with their blessing. Um, yeah. It would it would be disappointing, I guess, if we saw her play for Port. Um, but you wouldn't begrudge her. But I have a feeling it'll be in a non-playing capacity. The only thing about Fane is it's uh, sensibly that that's what she should do. I, I think her time is just about up. Um, but um, if she was, she's always had an ambition to wear the Port colours and. That, well, that might be just too big an attraction uh, to be refused. Well, you know, she can... I'm sure. I, I think that's that's changed, Maka. That was when she was younger and there was that opportunity. Um, and Port, when there was the opportunity for it to come up, Port really weren't that interested. But, I, I think well, you've, Port you've chose, also got to consider. They, chose, they chose China. Um, China after making Erin an offer and then going cold on the girls well, thing. Uh, And and there's also the way that they have, there was a Port Adelaide women's team in the the women's league here and they did everything in their power um, the way that I saw it uh, when I was playing there to not support that team. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of bad blood from women's football towards Port Adelaide because of things that happened. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is, Mac, that she can't play for the same club as her father unless she goes and plays for the Magpies in the State League because Port Power isn't the club that Greg played for. Um, Port Power are, are a 15-year-old franchise or whatever. Um, Good point. So Good point. Uh, she would have to go back and play in the SANFL. I don't think she'll do that. So I think she'll coach um, across town um, just just to make the the, the faithful happy. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Uh, well done, girls. I hope you celebrated hard, and uh, we look forward to a uh, bit of a changing the guard, I reckon, in certain respects next season with a couple of players, I think. All right. Um, uh, let's look at our game, shall we? Um, shocker. <laughs> uh, we, we got <laughs> done by... Do we have to... We got done by four points in the end, fifteen nine ninety nine uh, to fifteen thirteen one hundred three to the Bombers. Uh, initial thoughts before we get into the head to head stuff, Nikki. Uh kind of went the way I expected it was going to go um, with our midfield absolutely and utterly exposed by their speed. You can talk about how many players they had out but they still had what we've been lamenting on for how many years? <laughs> and, and you know, that didn't help our backs at all, the way the ball was coming in. They, they did change it up in the second half and we had opportunities. Um, but I really would miss, uh, I wish that sometimes our forwards would actually uh, go to where the positive Places where the kick is actually heading. They, some of them seem to uh, get more tied up in watching their man than actually watching the play that's going on up ahead. 
Max, well, what do you think? Yeah, basically it comes back to um, the speed of the mids, really, I think. If you look at the every one of the, the Essen mids has pace, every one of them. So when they break away, they really break away quickly and they move that ball in very quickly. Uh, our boys, are, they, they are, uh, what do you call them? They just scratch and fight and, and they haven't got pace, so there's no breakaway. There's usually a couple of handballs going backwards and forwards and around before we eventually do a blind kick forward. So it's it's a big difference. And it showed up in that first quarter uh, with poor old Bucks. I mean, he, there's not much he could have done. Well, he could have actually. I, he was making the mistake of standing behind him, and he's too tall to stand behind. He had to really stand next to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, to me, the only difference between the two sides on the day was the speed of the midfield. That meant that the ball moved very quickly for them and at times very slowly for us. Yeah, I agree, Mac. Um, our midfield was poor. Uh, most of our um, attacking came from defence. Um, you know, uh, Keys and Laird were okay out of centre clearance, but uh, Sloan and uh, Crouch certainly weren't. Um, and Dylan Shiel and, and, and his cohorts for Essendon just burned us too often, um, not only at centre bounce, but also around the ground when they got clear. Um, uh, if Matthew Nix thinks that we've got a stacked midfield, uh, then he, I don't know what chamomile tea flavour he's drinking, but I want some of it. I know, because... I know what it's stacked with. Well, yeah, I guess he didn't, cl- he didn't clarify what it was stacked with, did he? <laughs> but the implication no. was that it was difficult to break into. We had uh, Sam Berry picking up another 26 or 27 touches in the twos to go along with his 31 the week before. Uh, we, had, we had um, <clears throat> Luke Pedler uh, back in the twos after basically being sat down for a week and a bit. Um, and we were lacking pace. Uh, and... The problem is, uh, it, the problem was twofold. When <clears throat> when our mids had the ball, apart from Benny Keys, they struggled to get separation. Um, and when Essendon midfield had the ball, they gained separation very easily and were able to get it to the outside very easily. Um, we just don't have that, uh, apart from Benny Keys, we just don't have that in our midfield. Um, I know that Sloan played a little bit of time up forward with not great effect. But you only have to look at Harry Schoenberg, who um, last year, uh, last week led uh, centre bounce attendances. Uh, this week he had, I think, fourth, maybe twelve, I think. Um, and the usual suspects um, had the majority of the CBAs: Sloan, Crouch, um, and Keys. Um, so it's a, it's impacting on our youngsters' development. Harry Schomburg's had a difficult start to the year. I thought he had a good second half last week. Um, but then, you know, after trusting him with um, a full game in the middle, basically last week against Port Adelaide, we relegate him to a bit part, uh, a wing, a half forward, um, all for the sake of bringing Rory Sloan back into that midfield mix. And it just does not make any sense to me. Well, actually, Sloane is a worry because um, oh, somebody else said that in the chat. Uh, no, that was the original thought. Um, he Sloane is, is a worry overall. I mean, he's the captain, and at, at this stage, he's barely commanding a spot in the side on form. 
Um, he's lost a lot of pace. I don't know why he's lost so much pace. Um, because he's had all those foot issues, mate. And yeah, he's well, 32 that, years of age or whatever he is. Yeah, and he's actually to the point where what a lot of other teams have done is put him on a half-back flank because they can run straight at the ball. And Another half-back flanker. I've got him everywhere, mate. Up my sleeve. He's just coming yeah. out everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the problem is that straight in the middle, and you, when you've got a situation when you've got lead, um, when you say lead, if it's lead, crouch and flown, that, I mean, lead, lead's the speedster in, by comparison there. Um, yes. It's just too slow. Just be slow. Yeah. Well, lead's, and, not, lead's not slow, but he's he's a in and under player, so he's not your burst player. He's not the bloke that's going to be bursting out usually. It's uh, no, he um, pees out. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I thought lead played but, right actually, without getting into specifics. Yeah. I think well, he played very well. Well, for, for me, it's lead's actually quickness of decision making and a decent skill set. Um, some of the really nice lower passes that were happening. I was quite happy with Ledge game. Uh, I think he's very good, but let's uh, not get into that, specifics. No, but uh, I'm just going to add is the fact that um, Rory Sloan, as you said, occupied uh, quite a few uh, set amounts of tendencies, and and I don't remember him getting too many clearances. Um, he does, um, but we just need that. When you look, have a look at uh, Essendon's mids. I mean, they bring in a young lad called, well, Vincent's not that young, and maybe he's been around two or three years, but haven't got, had an opportunity. Martin. And the guy is quick and he just burst away. And uh, they've got a couple of others that just burst away. And we've got mm. nobody that can burst away. Yeah. Um, Rochelle could if he played in the mids, but then you wouldn't have him up forward. So, uh, and I think eventually he'll probably do a bit of both. But, uh, no, we just we just somehow have to draft a quick mid or lure a quick mid to Adelaide. Well, Luke Pedler isn't slow, and the thing about Luke Pedler is that he's got a good first five steps, Macca. He can yeah. he can he can get that separation. He's not a speedster, uh, but he's good enough to be able to to break away from congestion. Um, obviously, he needs more. Um, fitness in him, but why they're playing him up forward, I have no idea. I won't go through all stats just now, but I will mention one stat, and that's that Crouch and Sloan, who attended the majority of centre bounce attendances in a 30-goal game, had one centre clearance between them. Just one. That's not many. And that was Sloan, wasn't it? That was Sloan. Matty Crouch did not have one centre clearance. Now that's now Matt Crouch is our coalface player, our distributor, um, our first. You wouldn't play Matt on the defensive side, although I think he was at times because Dylan Shield certainly showed him a clean pair of heels at times, yeah. um, but not one centre clearance. Um, you're just not going to win a game if you allow that much service. Uh, from your opposition midfield, and they had what did they have like sixty odd inside fifties? How, how are you supposed to? Uh, and a lot of that was just because our midfield either couldn't win the ball in the middle or couldn't transition on the break. Um, you know, so 
you know, and then when when you when you couple that with a guy who a couple of years ago was uh, knocking on the door of all Australian selection, and now looks like a Div Four amateur league ruckman, uh, <laughs> what hope you got? Because Riley O'Brien was terrible, in my opinion, terrible. He got absolutely destroyed. Oh, <laughs> that was painful to watch. I was like, can we actually fly? Strawn over because he might get there in time. <laughs> uh, it probably is time to give Strawn a go because um, O'Brien just can't, he just cannot ruck against any any ruckman that's got tall arms or, or can jump. He, you know, he needs to, somebody who's built like him, he just wants to jostle he, and he's okay, but he, he just gets carved up by it. And if you have a look at the stats uh, and, and add the uh, hit outs, it was very much in, I think, nearly twice in their favour. So mm-hmm. um, we did very, very poorly in that area. And, you know, it, it, it's it's hard enough when you've got a slow midfield, but when you've got a ruckman can't get it to them as well, um, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, well, just uh, Kieran Strawn on the weekend uh, had 18 disposals, kicked a goal, 12 kicks, 6 handballs, 8 marks, 22 hitouts. Um, had a had a ranking of 104, which I think was uh, third or fourth. Uh, Sam Berry, 26 disposals, uh, kicked one goal, one. Uh, Riley Thilthorpe, 19 disposals, kicked th- three goals, two. Had 16 kicks and three handballs, if you don't mind. Nine marks, uh, only seven hitouts. Um, had a good game. Um, Jackson Hately, 35 touches, kicked a goal. Um there is, there are players there um, that need to be um, need to be elevated, and the longer we persist with this one pace, stodgy midfield, and the longer we persist, Macca, with playing blokes out of position um, and expecting them to deliver, the longer this rebuild's going to take. Because I've been banging on about it for years and years and years. Why pick a bloke to play midfield and then play him in a back pocket because he's not good enough? Or play him up forward because you haven't got room to put him in the midfield or he's too young or whatever. Like these blokes that come in, like Sanbury all last year, we wasted 20 games playing him in a forward pocket. We've wasted yeah. games with Luke Peddler playing him in a forward pocket. We've got Chase Jones down back in a back pocket when he's been drafted as a midfielder. He should be. I'm, I'm at the point now where there is absolutely no point in my mind. We're wasting games with Chase Jones, for example. We've got Miller in the twos. We've got Will Hamill in the twos. Um, you know, even to that extent, we've got Ben Davis in the twos. Uh, Andrew McPherson. Um, these blokes. They, they were picked to play in that role. They were drafted, they were recruited to play in that role. And Chase Jones doesn't offer anything that those blokes don't offer in their, in their selected position. And I think it's about time. It's the same with lads like Ned McHenry. Like, Ned, he tries his guts out and all the rest of it, but he was selected to be a certain type of player, a midfield player or a small forward. Now, he's not a small forward's arsehole or else he would have kicked that goal at the death. 
um, and he's not a midfielder, he shouldn't be in the team. He should not be in the team, in my opinion. And that's partly because he's not playing well, but partly because he's not playing in the position that he was selected in. And we we spend all this time trying to trying to make do with blokes that are that are not that have failed in the position that they've been selected for and then uh you know we've got these other blokes that can't break into the team because we're clogging up positions with blokes that are out of position it doesn't make any sense to me just on McHenry um wasn't he supposed to be a midfielder yes and midfielder or small ever... forward i don't think he's he... i don't think he's ever started in the midfield maker that was a question I was going to ask you. Um, he's, I mean, just for God's sake, at least put him in there. Let, and look, he, he can't do any worse than the others are doing. So, at least, and yeah, at least he, he would try like hell. Um, maybe, maybe would, would just prove he's going to be no good there either. But at least try. Yeah. You, you know, the, you know, the worst thing you can do is just keep on doing what you're doing when it's not working because you just yeah. get the same results all the time. And look, it was a four-point loss. Um, uh, and Alice, you know, your contribution is really uh, welcome, uh, but you're about six months too late, and uh, you know you just don't belong in this chat if you're just going to troll. So just thanks, troll. Them. Thanks for your input. Um, go back and have a look at Port's uh, record when it comes to hypocrisy. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, bye-bye, Alice. And, uh, yeah, let's go on. Yeah, bye-bye, Alice. Where are we, Alice? Find it in a minute. Um, anyway. So, look, let's get into some head-to-head stats because uh, we've probably got a fair bit more to talk about on this one. Up again. Whoops. Reorganised tonight. Have you noticed? You there, Nick? Right. You want to sing a song? Yeah, no, yeah. sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. All right, here we go. Uh, okay, and you'll notice something in- interesting in the stats in a minute, and uh, I won't uh, point it out. I'll see if people pick it up. Uh, disposals even, 365 to 373 our way. Uh, kicks fairly even, 221, 211. Handballs, 144, 162. Uh, inside 50, 65 to 53. In Essendon's favour, uh, efficiency uh, was... Uh, Essendon went very high, 76%. Disposal efficiency is a good number. Um, our efficiency inside 50 uh, was good, 54.7%. Freeze were even. Um, hitouts, uh, Essendon dominated 44 to 25. Um, didn't translate to clearances, uh, particularly 39 to 40. 
overall, 16-15 in centre and 23-25 in stoppage. Contested possession, 136 Essendon, 157 Adelaide. Uncontested possession, 222 Essendon, 212 Adelaide. Turnovers around about even. Uh, marks 100 to 81. Marks inside 50, 14 to 7. Contested marks 12 to 8. Um, and then uh, tackles were even. Tackles inside 50. Essendon 8 to 3. Um, and the rest of it's rubbish pretty much. So what would you say that that suggests, guys? Um, well, well on, the, on the stats that you mentioned there, um, I think they had it more in their forward line than we did. Um, so, Well, we got destroyed aerially. Oh, yeah. well, we Absolutely. did. We did. Um, I, I thought that um, it's just that, that we didn't have that many, well, not many people up forward that were good enough to get goals when the ball came down there. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Mac, when the ball's coming in stupidly, yep. then you're not going to give blokes... Like, to my, from my memory, every time the ball got kicked to a forward's advantage, the forward took it. Right? Well, that's the ball true. Got, that ball is... got put, out, put to Texas advantage a couple of times, he took the grabs. Ball went to him's advantage a couple of times and, and he took the grabs. But... More often than not, the ball wasn't kicked to our forwards' advantage or it was just scrambled in there. Um, and we don't have the personnel to be able to... We don't have a two-metre Peter that can make something out of nothing in the air. A lucky Gallant tries really hard, and I think, he, you know, eventually he will. he's got a bit of an X factor about him that will allow him to do that a little bit. But yep. our entries into into forward 50 were at times diabolical and it's all because our midfield were rushed constantly um, and towards the end there when we started to tire we, our, our forward 50 entries became very shallow um, and not as effective so it all like to me even though the even though the possessions were similar the clearances were similar and all the rest of it it's a pity that they don't put a stat together that talks about effectiveness of those stats, right? Because to me, their clearance work was far more damaging um, than ours in terms of score on the board. They were able to move the ball far more effectively, far quicker, and hit targets far more often. And, you know, it it was only a a few missed shots that kept us in it earlier in the game. And look, to be honest, I I felt like our defence, even though... um, you know, Geordie had a bit of a tough time. I thought our defence again stood up pretty well, uh, but I we thought, we couldn't transition the ball. Well, I thought, but you know, he had a very bad start, and but, but did no he, Macca? Did he? Well, in the way the ball has been delivered, probably not. Uh, but you know, it doesn't look bad. Um, you, but you I did. Think... You go. On, sorry to interrupt you, mate. You go and watch the first quarter and those marks that Peter Wright took. And you have a look at what Billy Frampton was doing. I must well, just on my next line, which was going Sorry. to be. It, it could have been totally different if Frampton had have tried to help him, which he never did. He just stood there watching. Well, and, Frampton just didn't position himself properly. Um, if you watch what Frampton's doing, he just wasn't positioning himself effectively. He was just basically a, a, um, a marking bag for for Peter Wright. 
at times. It, it, it was no assistance. And see, this is where this is where I like Nick Murray over Billy. Billy is far more effective on ground play. But are we really selecting a centre half back on the basis of his ground work? We no, we're be. not. And what Nick Murray offers that Billy Frampton doesn't offer is an aerial contest. And yes, Nick makes mistakes, right, by foot. But it's not his job to distribute the ball out of defence. It's not his job. That job goes to the smalls and the, and the mids, you know, the Brody Smiths and the Tom Didays and the Luke Browns, etc., etc. It's Nick Murray's job to defend in the air against big players. And Billy Frampton, in an aerial contest, he's all at sea. He's got no idea what he's doing. Um, and, look, you know, I just... I, I'm not a fan of Billy. You know, I'm just not a fan of Billy Frampton. Um, you know, it's um, just one of those situations where I think Nick Murray got burnt for a couple of errors that he made in round two uh, by foot. Um, but he's far more value aerially than Billy Frampton is, in my opinion. Much more much more of a desperate player. Um, and um, I, I know they're saying he's not playing well in the twos, but at the time when he got Well, dropped, they've been winning pretty comfortably in the twos. Yes, well, that's exactly right. Uh, I still think, I just, at least he, he'll go, he'll... Contest even at the risk of his own own uh, safety, you know, he will have a real crack. Frampton doesn't do that. Frampton likes to get the ball a lot easier than that. And uh, look, he wouldn't be a nice shot. I don't think so. Well, put it this way: Billy Frampton will stand and prop. He, he marks a little bit like like he positions himself a bit like Kurt Tippett, whereas Nick Murray will attack the the ball in the air. Um, so he'll be there'll be forward momentum with Nick Murray usually. Um, when he hits the contest, whereas Billy, there's no forward momentum. He just stands there and puts his hands up, um, and he's not tall enough to be able to do that, um, and he's not strong enough. So, um, you know, I, we didn't have enough help for Geordie. Uh, I look, no doubt, Geordie didn't have his best game. Although I thought, you know, after half time he improved, um, but he didn't get any help. Uh, Tom Dida is another one. Uh, you know, his intercepting seems to have dropped away a little bit uh, recently. So, I don't know. Two bad errors from Duday uh, by foot cost goals. Um, so, it wasn't one of his better games. No. Um, you know, so, anyway. Look, Nick, you're very quiet. You got anything to add? No, because you guys keep covering everything I kind of want to talk about. Sorry. I mean, the, I do everything you've kind of talked about Frampton in terms of defender. Yeah, I do. I understand all that. But I do, the one thing I will say the positive towards him is that his disposal is very good and his vision is very good. And a lot of our very um, proactive plays was instigated by him. That his job? No, but when we're also lamenting the fact that we don't have good disposers over the ground... We do well, have. Well, we do. Bit. We do have. But he's got. Disposes. He's got a big one. But I, I, I do agree with you on Murray. I, I prefer Murray in there over Frampton. Well, um, Rabbit says it should be his job. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. When, 
when you uh, go to draft a tall player, you're not looking about. Uh, you're not looking primarily at his ability to d- distribute out of defence. You're looking at his ability to defend aerially, in my opinion. Mm. Everything else is a bonus. Anyway, we'd like weathering like for Carlton, that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. I, like to me, it's a no-brainer. But anyway, all right. Let's look at some individual stats, shall we? Let me just sort this out. Okay. All right. So uh, Rory Laird, thirty-eight touches, fourteen kicks, twenty-four handballs, uh, eight marks, three tackles. Eight clearances, 272 metres gained. Um, he had four inside 50s, um, 10 score involvements, um, 84.2 disposal efficiency, 15 contested possessions. Um, I actually thought he... I know Benny Key's got a lot of it too, but I actually thought Laird was by far our best um, midfielder today. That goes without doubt. Um Firstly, the quantity they got, but also the efficiency rate as well. So, in fact, I, I, well, I won't say what best, anything about best players, but he was right up there. Yeah, just ignore the troll in uh, YouTube chat. Um, Jordy Dawson, 27 disposals, 15 and 12, 7 marks, 624 metres gained, 84% time on ground. He had five inside 50s, which is what you want. Five score involvements, 10 intercepts. Um, his disposal efficiency was off, 63. Um, and I, in the last quarter, a couple of times, he, he or in the second half, he fumbled a bit. Um, I worry with Jordan that he's going to try and think he needs to be uh, the be-all and end-all this team um, and whether he's actually trying to do too much at the moment. Um, sorry, actually, I missed who you were, hitting, who you were talking about. Jordan. Dawson. Jordan. I mean, the, the problem... Yeah. I thought you said Jordan, sorry. That's yeah, that Jordan yes, Dawson. Yeah, Jordan Dawson. The problem was because Hinge going down, we then had to send him down back. Um, and I... Well, he's and a half-back flanker. He was playing on the wing. <laughs> he was not playing half-back, though. Um, and, and he was like a lot of uh, really proactive and that good stuff in the first half was him primarily. And we lost a bit of that in the second half, even though we picked up elsewhere around the ground. But you're right. right. Some of those fumbles were ah, not good. Well, you're right, Nicky. He was playing wing in the first half. And... Um... Mm. I still think he, he had a reasonably good game, but not up to his very, very best standard. Oh, I thought he was... I, look, don't get me wrong, I thought he was good. Um, um, but there were a couple of... I, I Just at times, I, I felt like... I felt like we. he feels like he's relying... He's being relied on probably too much. Um, and... Um, he probably does, Fiend. Yeah, it, it worries me a little bit. Worries me a little bit because um, I don't want to play him out of form because of the fact that he's got too much going on in his head. I just want him to be able to play. Yeah, just needs a bit more support, then he, perhaps he will do that. Yeah. 
Sorry, I'm just trying to ban these dickheads. Um, Pity you can't get rid of IPs. Yeah, I can't do that. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, what else we got? Benny Keys uh, had a, another good game from Benny. Never gives up. 27 touches, 19 kicks, 8 handballs, uh, 12 tackles, 5 clearances, 523 metres gained. Um uh, five inside 50s, um, four score involvements, um, disposal efficiency, very much down on last week. He was up around 83 last week. He was down under 60 this week, which hurt him badly, particularly at the death. Uh, 11 contested possessions. Um, you know, he is not the cleanest player, but if you've got no one laying a block or a tackle or whatever and giving you any sort of assistance whatsoever, it's hard for you to nail every kick in my opinion yeah and um would have been nice perhaps if someone else had the ball kicking inside 50 in that last very last thing yeah but who else was presenting mac that's the thing yeah no, and, and that's a very good point thing and he we're not really criticizing but poor i just wished it'd been someone else uh because poor old uh ben he'd been running around I mean, he gave it yeah, 100%. It was, it was bloody cooked by the time he got there. <laughs> that, 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 well, that was basically my point. Yeah. Some of the others who hadn't done so much might have been able to uh, direct it a little bit better. Uh, but, uh, no, I don't blame him for the for our loss. Um, no, he, God, no. he made a great, great contribution to get us to that stage where we had a chance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matty Crouch, 26 touches, 9 kicks, 17 handballs, uh, 3 marks, 5 clearances, all stoppage. 204 metres gained. Uh, only again spent 64% time on ground and yet I think was our second or third highest centre bounce attendee. So what are we doing? Are we allowing him to attend the bounce and then taking him off? <laughs> uh, you know. No, 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 no. He can attend the bounce and then he stands there and watches while Shield just runs forward. Scoot, scoot from... Uh, Scoot from the chat there. Uh, he's getting a bit willing, Scoot. Move on from Crouch. I only just started talking about him, mate, and I'll talk about him as much as I like. Uh, two inside 50s, uh, nine square involvements, which is good when it's 77%, 12 contested possessions. Um, there was one play that summed up having Crouch and Sloan in the same midfield rotation. Now, I think it was in the second quarter when Crouch got the ball at half back and stopped and propped and looked around and then gave it to Sloan, sort of wide on the wing, who stopped and propped and looked around and then kicked it down the line, and by that stage mm-hmm. we'd uh, turn it over. Crouchy, I remember that, yeah. Crouchy, um, I actually thought Jake Kelly was playing for us again because Crouch was doing exactly what Jake used to do, okay. stop, look around, ignore 20 options, and then take the safe, safe option 45 degrees behind him. In fairness to Crouch, I didn't think he had a rotten game in his own right. But, no, he um, a lot of it. Uh, but if, once, once, it well. you put, once you put the mix together of our midfielders, it just doesn't work. That's and, the uh, that, and that's not necessarily Crouch's fault uh, in the sense that it's Sloan or Sloan's fault either. It's the selected for putting them together in that mixture. Yeah. Uh, the whole mix is wrong. We've been saying that for weeks, and yeah. I think... It, Nicky, I don't know about you, but it seems to be plain to everyone except the bloody um, coaching staff. Uh, entirely. Um, and that same bit of play you were talking about with Crouch, 
you could actually, because the camera work was staying a bit further back, you could actually see that Essendon were making sure that Dawson was manned up, that um, Scholl was manned up. The players they actually let free to us to move the ball to was Sloan and Crouch because they know as soon as we kick it to them, they're going to stop mm-hmm. and they can just keep the pressure on. When yep. opposition teams know we can let him get the ball, not a problem. We're going to get it back in a minute. That tells yeah. you everything about what is wrong with that midfield. Well, look, in a, in a, in a rebuild situation, I don't doubt that we need to have um, we need to have experience in there. But when Harry Schoenberg goes from 26 CBAs down to 12 because of an inclusion, um, there's something wrong. When we're playing two young mid, up-and-coming midfielders that we selected specifically for that role in Sam Berry and Luke Pedler, when we play yep. them in the twos because of the inclusion of a senior player who isn't effective, different if they're effective, but isn't effective, then there's no point. So I'm not, I'm not bagging... Matt Crouch or Rory Sloan specifically, although I could. But what I'm saying is that the the whole mix is wrong. The whole, um, the whole. I can't see a development pathway for those young lads. And we, you know, how long is Sloan going to be in the team? How long is Matt Crouch going to be in the team? We tried to get rid of Matt Crouch at the end of last season, and we put him on a on a bare bones contract, and yet he's still first picked every week. But why? Why? If if we didn't value him as a player enough to give him a good contract, why is he first picked every week in that midfield? I'll answer you. You know, and are we picking Sloan because we're trying to justify the long-term contract that we gave him? The bloke is sadly out of touch. He tries his heart out. No one will ever question that. But he is a liability at the moment and he is costing young kids games at the moment. And not only that, I'll tell you this, every time we came back, it wasn't because of our senior players, apart from Tex, who who I thought played very well. Um, He was. But in terms of ball movement and gut running and all the rest, it was our kids doing it. It It was our younger players, and I'll include Ben Keys in that. It was our younger players that were... Um, instigating, you know, uh, challenges and transition and keeping us in the game. It wasn't bloody Matt Crouch and Rory Sloan, that's for sure. Well, yeah, yep. I see Rory as a major inhibitor at the moment and in the sense that um, he's in there on reputation only and the fact that he's captain. Um, on what, I, what what we see, he, he really, if he was uh, not captain, he would probably be dropped. Um, but... Uh, and I agree with you, Fiend. One of uh, the young boys, the, at least one of them, should be given uh, an opportunity to play through there every week to the to the point where they'll become efficient at playing in there. But that they you, you can't you can't do it if you if you're not not giving them the opportunity to do it. And yeah, they can run around and do it at Sandful level, and they do it well. But that's a different level. They need yeah. to play at this level to get to adjust to it. And a very good example of that is you take Cook. Cook came on in the last quarter when it's everything's very hectic, etc. And he had seven possessions in that last quarter. Yeah. And uh, uh, for me, I think Cook should be playing next week as well. I mean, the, 
Cook is going to be a very, very good player for us long term, but he needs to play on the ground at AFL level to get that experience um, that these other players have had and and they really pass it. So um, for me, Cook's got to play and I would think, um, you know, one of the two boys you mentioned before, one of them, I don't know which one, um, should they should be definitely given the opportunity as well. Well, look at it. Look at it this way: we lost the game. We lost the game against Fremantle um, in round two, and we lost round one fairly comfortably as well. What would we have lost by playing those young lads? Like Sloaney played in round one and two, missed last week. Is that right? Yeah, missed last week and then played this week. Um, you know what would what are we going to lose? by playing these kids. Yes, we might get a bit of a belting every now and again, but at the moment, I see I see Harry Schoenberg's head dropping. I see um, uh, uh, the forwards' heads dropping. When, some, like when Matt Crouch streams into 50, or for him streaming, crawls into 50, has an open look at a handball to Rory Laird, and decides to have a ping at goal from 50 metres. Matt Crouch hasn't kicked 50 metres for about six years. I see that that's just as deflating to me as a 10-goal loss because I don't think our junior players actually trust our senior players anymore. And that's a big deal. When When you have a disconnect between your experienced players and your kids, and if I was a kid playing in the Adelaide Crows team at the moment, I wouldn't trust Matt Crouch. I wouldn't trust Rory Sloan. I wouldn't trust Riley O'Brien. I don't even think I'd trust Brody Smith at the moment, even though he's been playing all right, but his disposal was terrible. You know, I wouldn't trust... I'm not trusting Luke Brown. You know, these senior players are not trustworthy, and whether you're a senior player or a kid, if you're playing in a team where you can't trust your teammates, it's very, very demoralising. And to me, I just think they have to, they have to pick on form... And if it means that we field a young team with with green midfielders, so be it. I'm in the same camp as you. Um, we're never going to get better unless we get because these these blokes that are playing in the midfield at the moment, Laird, yes, big 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 tick, uh, Benny Keys, big big tick. They they are there and they are there permanently. But after that, I think it's open slather for the next you know the next couple of spots to to go through there. And you know, you just said it, Mac. If you have if you have a, a, um, a main rotation that includes Ben Keys and Rory Laird, what are you losing by not having Matt Crouch and Rory Sloan, but instead having having ha- having Harry Schoenberg and say Luke Pedler? You yeah. know what are you, well, what are Barry you losing by having by rotating Laird and Berry? You know, in that coalface role, what are you losing by rotating Harry and Josh Rochelle as that sort of outside? connector player what are you, you're not losing anything by having that we're actually losing both on the field and also in terms of development by having sloan and matt crouch in that midfield rotation it, it's almost comical now it's almost laughable sadly i think what we really need at the moment we've only got one injury on our on our list and that's siegeman and there's no doubt he would come straight back to the side if he was uh well um so, which really means that all of our experienced players are available. So, we're a bit unlucky in that respect. 
But that really means that the coach then has to have the courage uh, to only pick um, experienced players if they're playing so well that you they force you to pick them. I mean, Sloan doesn't force anybody to pick him. No. Crouch is not forcing anybody to pick him. Um, and then I could go through several others. So um, Nick's, if he really wants to take this side and into somewhere within the next two to three years, he's really got to get these young lads and give them opportunities to learn at this level of football. Um, they can play SAFL till the cows come home, but it is a different level. It's got a different speed. It's got a different hard hit, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a different way of moving the ball. Um, and the only way they'll learn is by playing. But do you know what's keeping... Do you, know, do you know what another factor is that's keeping these blokes out, Maka? Because you've got to be able to rotate them. You know, Luke Peddler's not going to run out of game. Um, Sam Berry may just run out of game. Harry sort of struggles a little bit, little bit at the moment with fitness towards the end of the game. So you need to be able to rotate them. And you need to be able to rotate them on the field and also off the bench. But unfortunately, we're clogging up spots where we could rotate them with blokes that haven't made it. Ned McHenry, you know, um, Chase Jones, these blokes, they're, they're, they're being played out of position and they're taking spots where we could play a, a rotating midfielder. You know, that's another compounding problem, I think, of playing these blokes that are just not fit for purpose, in my opinion. And just raising a question just on a slightly different note, um, and probably the people in the chat would know, uh, watching their, did anybody watch the SAFL game and how did Mackesy go? Is he ever, ever going to make an AFL player? Nick, did you see it? Um, watched a bit of the third quarter because by the time we got home from the AFLW um, and a little bit into the last um, he Mackenzie was playing nicely. Our back line was actually doing really well. He did some really nice intercept marks. Murray was playing really well too. Um, I mean, the, the entire team, it was really, it was good play and I can see because what we do in the SNFL is we play the AFL game plan. And for, for me, that whole discussion about where Nix is wanting experience and everything else, well, you know what? Put that experience in that SNFL team where those young guys, where the next ones we want to come up, need to be taught. Not in the AFL. Put them in the SNFL. Let them help develop there um, before you you put them in. But, um, yeah, Mackenzie was, was doing really not. He did really nicely. I saw him take some really good intercept marks, um, some good one-on-ones as well. Mackenzie had 18 disposals, 11 kicks, 7 handballs, had 4 marks. Um, six rebound fifties, um, you know, in in a defence that was in a playing in a team that was well on top. Uh, that's a reasonably handy game. I would, don't think I would have seen Fisher have eighteen touches before. Um, you know, James Borlase is another one that's just been cooking along quietly. Uh, oh, Josh, Josh Worrell is good. Um, Darcy Fogarty probably proved uh, why he was dropped, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you know, so I, I just feel like we've got to we've got to move on uh, from from these other lads. Anyway, that's enough of that. We'd probably smash that. Uh, Lockie Shoal, um, I was a bit disappointed in Lockie today. Um, I know we've talked before about him uh, 
squibbing a little bit, and he squibbed a couple in the last quarter where his lack of effort meant that the ball was cleared from our forward 50. Uh, didn't like it. 20 touches, 15 and 5, 2 marks, uh, 5 clearances, 429 metres gained, um, 3 inside 50s, uh, 6 score involvements, only went at 65%. So not bad numbers. The type of stats profile that you want from a guy like Scholl, um, but he's got to be able to go when he needs to, doesn't he? I thought he played reasonably well, actually, but um, where he lacked is when it becomes physical. Um, he, uh, I thought, you know, he was pre- pretty good at uh, making the, the position and uh, actually he did kick a goal after getting a, a, quite a nasty bump. Yep. I thought he got to lay, lay down and cry after it. But um, <laughs> I, I, overall, though, I thought that, um, yeah, he'll be very, very promising. He just just has to harden up his body a bit and harden up his approach a little bit, and uh, he could be a good player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know he kicked a nice goal, and that there was a contest in the forward pocket towards the end that he took some very short steps to. Um, that yeah, was critical. Josh Shelley should get rising star this week. 19 touches, 13 and 6. Uh, 9 marks, 288 metres gained. Uh, already spending... 88% time on ground, if you don't mind. Uh, two inside 50, seven score involvements, uh, 73% uh, disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions. He's just the type of player that when he gets ball in hand, you just think something's going to happen. He's class, absolute class. Um, I mean, he, he's got, he is a footballer. He's got a football brain. He's got football ability. Um, uh, he, he's, he, he's an absolute gun. He's going to be, uh, he will end up being, well, I hope we get him get better players, but if as we stand at the moment, he'll develop into our best player, probably. Yeah. Uh, today, as we've mentioned, a uh, little bit of a worry. Just seems off the boil, Tom. Um, whether it's a change in role for him or whether he's lacking a bit of confidence in his knee or something, I'm not quite sure, but just doesn't seem to have the poise that he had before his ACL. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd agree, yeah. Um, I wasn't totally happy with his game at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, you pick him every week, I think. Um, because, oh, yeah, you, oh, you know, pick him every week. But um, he's, he's not doing the support. Um, so these girls said no support. No, he's the one who's supposed to be supporting. That's his role. The interstate role. The and he, yeah, and he kind of hasn't been doing it. He's letting his player dictate to him. He's still every so often we, we get a glimpse of it, but he's not as consistent with it as he has been in previous years. Mm. Um, you don't see teams play through Tom Dode's opponent very often, and I just wonder whether um, there's uh, little game plans in place, and it's stuff that we don't see, but little game plans in place to maybe um, dilute his ability to intercept, to, uh, to float across, like to sag off his men and, and come across the, the pack. Um, because yeah. you don't see his man being the avenue very often, um, but you don't see Tom involved as a consequence very often either, if, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Va- Vardy Badger kind of know, but he's overcommitting. And well, I mean, I he's, about- he's got to, he's got to, if, if his player's drawing him out, he's got to go with him. 
Yeah, but when he when he does come over and he has tried to spoil, he's he's gone at it a bit too hard, if you know what I mean, and mm. he's falling down and he's get being out of the contest. Whereas when he was doing that previously, he was timing it beautifully. It was often landing on his feet, or if he fell down, he was straight up again. Um, it just kind of it, it's reminding me a little bit of Harry. Is is he trying too hard? Maybe. Maybe. Um, Tex, I thought, was a really good return. Um, looked rusty early, but his second half was great. A couple of really nice goals. Um, looks to have lost his leg a little bit. That just shows you six weeks out of footy and all of a sudden you lose power pretty quick, don't you? Um, but uh, I thought he presented really well. Um, he made our forward line look more solid. There, in the past, I would say, yep. shouldn't be playing because we need to be sinking games into Darcy, but I couldn't give a shit about Fogg anymore. If he's going to turn in, uh, you know, games like he did in the SNFL in a winning team on the weekend, um, then he can stay in the twos as far as I'm concerned. Um, and Tex can stay in until uh, we want to replace him maybe with Phil Thorpe or Glant or someone else. Yeah, no, Tex was terrific, I thought. Absolutely terrific. And um, his football brain is second to nobody's. Uh, you know, a couple of those goals he got, they're just brilliant stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, we've missed him. Um, and he, and I thought he played extremely well. He had getting booed by the crowd. I don't know why Essen should boo him. Um, he's never done anything to them. Uh, and as far as the fact that he made a racist comment, and that was yeah, meant to be in private, yes. uh, yeah. he played, you know, he played his, he, well, he's a crime, he paid his time, so just move on. Yeah, but that was always going to happen, Mac. Yeah, probably you probably didn't you, you, you can't be surprised by and let's not I don't want to even talk about it, okay? Let's just move on. No, let's yeah, I don't no, want to I'm, even talk about it. Up, let's just move on. Just Yep. Yeah, I had no problems with him booing him. That was always gonna happen. So we Look, just move on. I don't I don't want to talk he, about it. Yeah. He he did play really well. Um I thought the you know, particularly where we've been getting a little bit stuck is that um leading up forward um on the wings the separation that he and Himmelberg work with quite well. And I, I I think it was nice to have him. I wasn't happy at having him back, but watching the way they work together, um, I was okay with it. And I think it just gave Himmelberg that little bit of confidence boost that he needed, um, particularly with crashing the pack and things like that. Did I, did I understand you right? You said you didn't want him, didn't want him back? No, I I much rather I would much rather. Uh, he's been six weeks out, and I didn't think he should have come straight into the AFL. I think um, he, showed, he showed you why he should have. Yeah, I know, but Nick's made a yeah, Nick's but, made a judgment call without seeing that. You, I mean, it's yeah. easy in hindsight, Macca, but I, 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 you know, it was it was probably a toss up how he was going to come up. Yeah, and. Uh, and I was just, for me, it just seemed to be a bit odd. But as I said, Macca, the way he played was very good and I think it actually really did help our forward line and I think it particularly helped Himmelberg. Oh, I think it helped, helped the whole forward line, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't mentioned uh, before, but obviously with our studio audience, if you've got something to say, stick your hand up. <laughs> uh, we're just rabbiting on here. Uh, a couple more. Um Slaney we've talked about. Lukey Brown I thought was disappointing and seems to be a little bit hampered. Um, 
as well. Billy, I've talked about. Chase, I've talked about. Brody, I thought was quiet. Nebrick Henry, I've talked about. Harry uh, just needs to be persisted with. I think he's got to work through this little slump that he's in. Uh, Lockie Murphy wasn't anywhere near as damaging as he was last week. Uh, Geordie Butts struggled early and you know probably had his colours lowered. I thought Elliot Himmelberg... Um, how do you say this, Mac? I thought Himmelberg backed up his performance against Port quite well, um, continued to hit contests, um, and um, hopefully uh, I'm not getting on the bandwagon again with Elliot. I'm still off because <laughs> as soon as I get on, he'll stop playing. Um, but uh, wasn't wasn't disappointed with Elliot's game. Played better at full forward. Um, in the ruck, I was disappointed. If you have a look, I don't think he put his hand on the ball once uh, in the ruck. Um, so that that's when he uh, was relieving. So mm. that was a little bit disappointing. Um, but got to do better than that. But I thought in the, his work in the forward line was pretty good. That um, he tried all the time and uh, got a couple of nice uh, nice ones and uh, others that he contested that helped other players. So uh, no, I thought he still needs to get to more contests. I think. Uh, still needs that, to get to more contests. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I'd have to agree with that. Look, he had to do more, but um, last week was a breakthrough game. And it didn't quite carry on this week, so um, but it wasn't shocking. And I just hope that he can uh, repeat it uh, last week's game uh, next week. Uh, Mitch Hinge, I thought, was good until he got injured. Uh, seems like a hip, I think. Did they mention anything in dispatches after the game? I switched over to the Grand Prix. Uh, there was, but I haven't, I haven't had a look at it yet. No, Dead said Hammy. Stop dead. Hammy, was it? Are you yeah, sure? Hammy. Somebody, somebody says caught hip, but um, uh, on the wherever, wherever I read it, they said he had a hamstring, so perhaps he had a hamstring on his hip. Hamstring. Anyway. I'm looking it up. But yeah, he, he we'll did stop. He did stop dead, though. Yeah, but he didn't stop dead like a pulled muscle. Anyway, doesn't matter. Nigga will tell us that amount. Uh, Jimmy Rowe had a Cork's bit of a hip. a hip. Yeah. Yep, corked hip, which was causing him discomfort and impacting his ability to perform. Be assessed in the coming days. Yeah. Jimmy Rowe uh, had a bits of game. I thought some of the stuff that he did with ball in hand was very good. But he's got a bit of the Eddie bets about him, Jimmy Rowe. He spends the ball before he's got it. And it proved quite costly a couple of times with some turnovers because he didn't straight line the ball and and make sure of his possession before he decided to do something with it. There were a couple like that, but overall I thought he did some uh, some reasonably good stuff as well. Um, certainly good enough to hold his uh, place in the side. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, he's not a long term. He's not a long term player, Matt. He's what? he's he's not, but a lot of our really good proactive play was you're right was because of him, um, and then there were some other things that didn't go so well that was because of him. Um, mm. He's 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 on the verge of being in my best five players. I think just because the impact of keeping us in the game um, really? with what he did was quite good. Okay, uh, O'Brien had a stinker. Braden played really well when he came on. Uh, Lockie Glant. Um, He's a young forward, young forward, uh, kicked a very good pressure goal. Um, will be better for having Tex in the side alongside with him, I reckon. And uh, you just keep him, Lockie Glant, you just keep him in for the rest of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, 
Agreed. He had a nearly game. If he kicked those first two that he missed, then he would have had three goals for the game, but also well played uh, Lockie Gallant. So definitely, as you say, just keep playing him. Yep. Yep, agree. So my litmus test for all of this, when we're talking about the quality of our 22 that we put on the park, is how many of those blokes do you reckon other clubs would want? And if I go through the list, um, Matty Crouch, no one would want... um, Rory Sloan, no one would want. Luke Brown, no one would want. Billy Frampton, no one would want. Uh, I don't think Chase Jones would be wanted by anyone. Uh, Nemec Henry, maybe. I don't think Lockie Murphy would get on another list. Um, I don't think James Rowe would get on another list. Um, They're all best 22 players. So what did I just list? Six or seven players there that are best 22 players in our team that wouldn't get on a list in another club. Or if they did, would be... Depth at best, at very best. So why are we playing them? Well, we're not the selectors, so um, you well, have I'm your to... opinion. Well, we're playing because well, I don't know why we're playing them because there's quite a few that I wouldn't be playing. Um, we've already discussed that, but you know, I think there's we should be playing at least two or three more young, young lads in there. And and it's not about win and loss ratio. Um, I don't. We're not going to make the finals this year. And um, in fact, in in some ways, it's better for us to finish lower than higher because you get a better draft pick. But you've got to get experience into the young players so that they can have a good year. And then that's never going to happen until you play them. Now, Inquisitor in the chat uh, has been conversing with me on Big Footy and and put together a lot of stats about um, the correlation between um, total gains played by your team and and ability to win. Um, That's all well and good, uh, but I don't think winning's our primary aim at the moment, is it? Well, not mine. I think it's we've got to get the right uh, people in the right in the team uh, so they can actually develop so that we can be a good team. It's no good playing the playing the players that you know they're going to fail or just give you an average game. Mm. That's no point. Yeah, I look if you can say experience, but if you're putting experience on the park that no one else wants, and we know that no one else wanted Matt, and I'd be pretty comfortable in saying no one would want uh, Rory Sloan. Um, you know, why are we playing them? Why bother? We've still got experience in there. We've got Rory Laird, uh, who's an experienced player. We've got um, Benny Keyes, who's played 50-odd games and is a club champion, so you could count him as being a mentor in there. We've got a few other blokes around the place. We've got Brody Smith, you've got Tom Diday, uh, who are experienced players. There are blokes around that can support these kids. Um, but, um, as I said, I, I, just, I feel it's just as... Just as just just as deflating for a young side when your experienced players are not uh, cutting the mustard as it is to get beaten by 10 goals, in my opinion. And just on that, that about having that experience around them, you're right, the experience I would like to see around them is those players that are going to still play with them for a couple of years. So like Laird and like Keys, who are... Dawson. Yep, that, that have got that that can build up through the team with them. And then when they exactly fall, when they go out, you those younger ones are now that experienced lot in their mid-20s and the newer ones then come exactly. in and they then mentor those. Yep. That's how you keep your team on top for a multitude of years. Yep. You, you want Hello, the AFLW play- team. 
Yeah, well, you want your senior players to be 27 to 30. You want your mid-tiers to be 24 to 27, and then you've got your youngsters coming through, 20, 23 and under. It's what we've lacked this whole time is that middle tier. We've now got that middle tier. You want them to take over the leadership of the club, move the club forward, and by the time they get to that experienced age, you know, they're not falling off a cliff, and our youngsters have got enough games in them to be able to put together, hopefully, um, a team that can contend. But at the moment, we're wasting time, um, in my view. The other thing that I would suggest, um, given that uh, Elliot hasn't been too bad over the couple of, over the last couple of weeks, I would I would actually drop uh, O'Brien, and I would bring both Kieran Strawn and Riley Thilthorpe back into the team. I would first Agreed. write Kieran Strawn. I would have Riley Thilthorpe on the bench. And I would have a three-way rotation with those three lads. Give them 40% game time or 50% game time each. It gives you some gives you some ability to restructure up forward if you want to go tall. I know coaches don't like having a tall on the bench because it limits their flexibility. But in my opinion, we've got to get Riley... Now that Riley's got a bit of um, confidence back, we need to get him back into the team. We need to give Kieran uh, an opportunity... Uh, we need to reward Elliot for some improvement. There's an opportunity to have that three-way rotation, and I, I think it would work. Essendon did it today with their with their tools. I like it. I like it. It's and good. those those three tools as rucks are three very different rucks as well, yep. which makes it very hard to match up. Oh, well, oh my God, we've now got this one who can do you know a different way of rucking or whatever. So it it all depends on what's the opposition team are doing is to who you counter against them as well or, or to make them chase you. And the other good thing um, with Dilthorpe and with Himmelberg is they're both very good at the ground. Yeah, ground level. They're, they're not those lumbering ones who can't pick up the ball off the ground. Yeah. Ground level, they're beautiful pickups of the and ball. All, and and all three of them can kick He was kick very a free along the wing. Yeah. Yep. All three of them can kick a goal. They can all ruck. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, Nikki, they're different players. But I just think there's that opportunity there. Will the selectors have any sort of courage to do something like that? No, they'll just keep playing Riley O'Brien and getting slaughtered. Um, but that's something that I would do. All right. Uh, hey, he's very much going to get slaughtered against Richmond. Well, you know. <coughs> Pardon me, sorry about that. Uh, don't forget, if you are in the studio audience and you want to have something to say, now's the time to do it. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, but just quickly, I will go around the table. Maka, your five-fourth... Hang on, let me get the bloody spreadsheet up so I can note these down. Yep. Your five-four-three-two-one, Mac. Yep, I go five points to lead. I've got 38 disposals at a, eight, around about an 80% efficiency rating with... Just had to give him number one. Uh, four points to Walker for four goals and really being the centrepiece of the forward line. I gave three to Rochelle, uh, two to Keys, and one to Dawson. So that was, sorry, it only just opened then. Laird? Laird, I give five. Yeah. Four to, four to Walker, yeah. three to Rochelle, two to Keys, and one to Dawson. Very good. Nick? Same players, different order. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dawson. Yeah. Then, then Laird. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I then went Rochelle at three with Walker and Keys. Okay. And uh, probably not dissimilar from me this week. I've gone Laird for five, uh, Dawson for four. Whoops, can't spell. Um, keys for free, for free for three. <laughs> uh, Rochelle for two and Walker for one. Um, so probably the same five players, not a crouch or slain amongst them. Um, so remember, if you are in the uh, Discord channel, put your five to four three two one in, and we'll uh, update those running totals uh, during Tuesday night live on Tuesday night. Final thoughts, uh, lady and gentlemen. We've got who we got next week. We've got bloody uh, Richmond. Richmond next week. Uh, who are Richmond here? Just getting their tails up a little bit. Thoughts. And they like playing Adelaide Oval. Thoughts. Yeah, I'd be disappointed. Well, well, maybe just on the way the Richmond went, actually against the Dogs, um, they probably will, will be a lot harder to beat than they would have been perhaps two weeks ago. Um, and I thought they played extremely well against the Dogs. Um, yeah, look, we could possibly win it, but we'd have to do a lot better in the centre. I think our problem is that because we only went down by a couple of points, and there'll be the, oh, we were nearly there, everything else will back the team in. We're, we've identified why there needs to be changes and I don't think they're going to make the changes that they need to make. And Richmond like to move the ball fast. They do. Just like, just like Essendon did. And we were if we go in with Rob again, he is going to get absolutely cleaned up, oh, even yeah. more so than he did today, I think. Um, so, yeah, nah. If, um, if their objective about today's result, they would have seen that we could have won by five goals with an effective midfield. Um, because we rebounded well from defense and we took, mostly took our opportunities in, in, in the forward line. Um, but our, our ability to, or our inability to defend their spread and our inability to transition hard uh, when certain players were involved really um, stymied us. So it, it was a five goal. In my, to my mind, it was a five goal win gone begging. If they make the changes that um, they need to make, then I think we're a sneaky chance against Richmond in Adelaide. Um, but I dare say they won't, and as a result, I think we might get flogged. It depends how the game's played, Ben. If we can actually force it into a scramble and a tussle, then I would say that we would win the game. If it's left to be open, where speed counts, then we'll be in trouble. Yeah, because we're just not a quick team. So you would imagine that Knicks will do what Hinkley tried to do the other day against Melbourne and shut the game down and have an honourable loss. Um, (laughs) And uh, (laughs) look... uh, I'm starting to see a few similar traits, unfortunately. Uh, sticking with certain players, um, strange selections, not giving juniors a go. I don't know. Starting to see a few similar things. Uh, anyway. Yeah, the only thing is that um, Eston had had a very, very quick midfield. Uh, Richmond haven't got the same quick midfield. 
Um, that's going to, going to be one thing that's in our, in our advantage. Um, but it's a matter of just uh, but what they do do, if, once they get the ball in the back line, they love to give it to Short, who runs and is a brilliant distribu- distributor of the ball at speed. So, and, uh, so from our point of view, uh, a good scratchy, hard-fought game, and I think we're a chance to yeah. And if it gets opened up, we'll get opened up. Now, we've got more dots there on. Uh, now, more dots there, you've got an avatar that uh, shows people getting married. Is, is that you, or you just like watching Married at First Sight, mate? Can you hear me now, guys? Yep. 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 Uh, I'll try and make this a quick one, but uh, I, I don't know if... No, something wrong with your audio, mate. You've cut out again. I, I can't... Uh, you, you can hear me now? Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to watch these games every week. Like the midfield mix is not working. I don't know how we can get this across as a supporter base to the coaches that the midfield doesn't work. You can't play Sloan. He is beyond cooked in the midfield. You just can't do it. It, it was hilarious watching today how they were trying to hide him at half forward and a half back, and he was still shit. Right? It's it, it is it's just uh, I I I I just could not believe. That we still gave Sloan 17, 16 centre bounces today, and we were getting torched in the midfield. Like it was just, a, it was so bad to watch. Like the outside run, we don't have any outside run. Like it, it, if it, if it wasn't for our forwards doing a half decent job, we would get slaughtered today, absolutely slaughtered. And I, I just want to ask, how can we as a supporter base get these idiots to realise that this midfield mix is not working? We're in a rebuild, right? How can we rebuild if we're not playing our next gen- future generation of midfielders? Uh, I know we've been banging on about this for weeks, right? But it, something needs to change. Like this is not this is not how a rebuild should be done. I can't argue with you, mate. Everything you said is one hundred percent, one hundred percent spot on. Yep. Um, I, to me, I, I think the interesting thing was that normally you have the commentators will talk up you know, what a great player Sloan is and what a great player Crouch is, everything else. But you had Jordan Lewis today just going, that Crows midfield is so slow. Their, yeah. their mix isn't right. And the, when you're getting questioned by somebody like him and that gets highlighted, I think that's actually working. Because, you know, with us trying to say stuff, we, we know they don't listen it has to be an absolutely massive thing. And I think the problem was as well is you had the whole crowd. So when we actually won uh, against Port and then they showed Walker and Sloan, of course the crowd cheered. And so the message that was then sent to the powers that be was, oh, they're our favourite sons, we need to get them back in the team. The problem is it's we are a small number of the supporter base. Uh, in the are team. we? Are there's, we... A, there's a problem. Well, I was, I was still vocal. driven. I was still driven by um, the marketing angle, or have we not got it through our thick heads after the last debacle and getting rid of the last regime that the supporters ultimately want to see progress and see development and see yeah. a, a winning culture develop? Like, uh, are we that uh, are we that wedded? Yeah, go on, mate. Yeah, yeah. I would not care if we lost every single week by 60 points. I would mm. not care. Yep. I've been supporting the Crows yep. since, you know, I was seven years old, right? 
I, I just want to see the next generation of midfielders getting games, right? If I was Sam Berry or, or Luke Pedler, I would be requesting a trade at the end of the season, right? Because this, this, this has been happening for like a, a good 10 years, not just, not just this year. This has been happening for 10 years where we don't give younger players games when they deserve it, right? And we're playing these, these older players that are, uh, are, are, are not in form. You need to reward form. Okay, I don't, especially during a rebuild, I just don't get it. The, the the coaches give me a headache, honestly. Well, you haven't given us a headache, mate, because you've made a heck of a lot of sense. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll 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 send I'll you just... a Panadol rapid and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll just uh, back you up on that. I think the th- the three of us lived through the Robert Shaw years. And we still turned up every week to watch. We knew we were likely to get absolutely pole lags, but that's where you actually got McLeod, Rashudo. Those are the guys that actually debuted during that time period and played. And, you, know another reason, you, know, you know another thing I noticed today, right, is that, is that the reason why we played David McKay every single game is because he's probably the only player that had run and carry. Like I, I, before I was thinking, He's not that good of a run and carry player, but he is the only one that could run with the ball. Like we don't have barely any players that can run and carry the ball. It, it, it's, it's true though. Like, like I, I can't, I can't, I don't even feel like watching next week because I know the same thing's going to happen. We're going to get absolutely torched on the outside again. Again, isn't it happen? It happens every single week. I, I, I don't know how to solve that problem. We don't have the players or whatnot, but it just—it's so disgusting to watch three or four opposition players running towards goal every single week and we're not even close to, to t- making a tackle on them. Very true, mate. Uh, and you're right about the tackles. Uh, the ability of Essendon to get through uh, tackles on at pace was uh, quite noticeable. Mate, I'll chuck you back to the crowd before you have an aneurysm, but uh, always, well appreciate your, always appreciate your input, mate. So thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. All right. Well, that pretty much summed up what everyone thought anyway. <laughs> now, Nikki, are you do you yeah. happen to be watching uh do you happen to be watching YouTube right now, the stream on YouTube? Hi. Well, go back and watch this because I'm about to transition to Nikki's cock wombling numna of the week. Oh, and it didn't bloody work. Hang on. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Let me do it this way. I've got to do it because it's I've spent ages. <laughs> Why isn't it? There we go. Oh, you'll get some music next week. Um, all right, Nick, let's finish off with a bit of good humour, shall we? Cock wumbling numb nut of the week. Well, I've, I've got two. I, I think an absolute standout. Um, had to be a particular umpire in the uh, Geelong-Brisbane game, who sometimes as supporters we lament that umpires don't know about anatomy. Well, this one doesn't know about physics because I I quite enjoyed the fact that it couldn't be a push in the back because you were both running forward, but he was standing his ground. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was a ridiculous explanation, that was. It's called, I got it wrong and I have to justify no, no, it somehow. No. Yeah, he didn't get it wrong. He got it right in terms of what he wanted to do. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll give it to Hawkins. Um, but the other one I, I thought which uh, gave me a bit of – was a bit amusing was the Melbourne Cheer Squad banner for the AFLW game. Now, when you see stuff on the banner, the words where they go across, you read from the left to the right, correct? Yes. And then you read the next row. Yeah. Well, if you did that on the Melbourne banner, then you read, the has time come. Right. (laughs) Because they had a nice big picture of the cup with Daisy in it and some random backs of female players that seem to have Melbourne Guernseys on. But then they had the time on the left-hand side and has come on the right. And it was just like, that's not quite how you do a banner. They may have had somebody from Port Adelaide teaching them grammar. Nick? <laughs> Nick? Yeah? You're going you're gonna to have to improve. You got anything else for us? Well, they, I didn't watch a lot of other football because oh, everything oh, else happened. If anybody else has the other one, but I think the one on Friday night, that oh. umpire, that explanation just takes the cake. I think I really. spent more time making your transition today than you spent thinking about this. Uh, so public, <laughs> publicly, publicly, I'm just going to put you on notice that uh, Mac and I expect more, don't we, Mac? Oh, lots more than that. Well, you can help me out with dominations. Well, no, I, thought, no. I thought it was funny that um, now, what was this one? Uh, it was a Kane Corns one. Um, he deleted a tweet. Now, what was the tweet that he deleted? He deleted a tweet regarding the crowd that Adelaide got to the round two game um, against Frio. We got 28,000 or whatever it was. And he deleted it because, of course, how many did Port get to their game against Melbourne on Thursday night? 22. That's right. So uh, poor old uh, Kane got out ahead of the uh, vitriol and decided rather than face the music, he's just going to delete any evidence. <laughs> um, and Sloan Ranger said nominate Tim Gossage for, suggest- for suggesting we had the grandfather at the MCG. That was last week. That was last week. <laughs> but it almost, last- that was last it- week. It, it it almost uh, it almost qualifies again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> yeah, all right. So wait, wait, what are you going with, uh, Nikki? Uh, I must say, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> my my experienced players letting me down. I, I'm getting, I'm no, dropping my, uh, my head. No, seri- no, seriously. Once I actually heard that uh, the umpire on the Friday night, that was just that was complete and utter cock wobbling. I'm not. I didn't think it, nobody was going to beat that, really. Now, if you're going to play in the cock Womble midfield, you're going to have to do it better than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Crouch is actually faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll go with uh, the umpire for his cock wombling explanation of why Tommy Hawkins got away with a push in the back that was blatant and obvious and uh, sealed the game for Geelong. All righty. Well, we've only gone two hours tonight, lady and gentlemen. So uh, that's a good time. <laughs> Look, thanks for everyone who's uh, thanks for everyone who's joined us uh, tonight and stuck with us through uh, the show. Uh, much appreciated, of course. Um, don't forget, if you want to get around us on um, uh, Patreon, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. You can see some of our supporters there 
scrolling on the screen and I'm very, very grateful to everyone who has supported us on Patreon in the past. Um, also, if you're watching us with in, on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe to the channel. It really helps as we try to push our way up to uh, a thousand subs so that we can actually get some more community stuff going uh, on YouTube. So please subscribe if you haven't already done so. Uh, please share the videos on your socials um, if you can. That would be much appreciated. If you're listening on iTunes on demand, uh, please consider giving us a review if you like what you hear. Nikki, Maka, our time here is done. Yep. Good night, all. Good night, all. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. Good night. <laughs>